0: Hi, my name is Jeff Hemingway. I am the creative director at Blackwood for Men. And what I love about beauty is that it's more than just a look, it's more a feeling, and it's a feeling that anybody can feel.
1: From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry.
2: Welcome. On today's episode, Denise and I are buzzing about building a brand while going head to head with the heavy hitters. As all of you know, who've been listening for a long time, Denise and I are very competitive and we love anybody that's willing to put on the gloves and go up against major competitors. So when we came across Blackwood for Men and started speaking with Jeff, we got really excited about furthering the conversation with this brand and really understanding how they were going about the marketplace and bringing on more and more opportunities to build this brand, even with some of the biggest competitors in the market. Welcome, Jeff, to the show today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm happy, honored to be here.
2: Absolutely. We met Jeff for the first time at Cosmoprof over the summer. Denise actually pulled us towards your booth. And I think what was very exciting for us was we just saw what this brand had been doing. It's an award-winning brand. It's been in the marketplace for about eight years now, and we just see you continuing to win. And we'd love the opportunity to really understand some of those best practices and some of the things that you have overcome in order to get to the position that you're in today.
0: It's been a journey, that's for sure. And we're learning every step of that journey for sure too.
2: Absolutely. So to kick us off, would you walk us through the genesis of Blackwood for Men and this idea of tradition and a modern take on men's hair care and skincare.
0: Yeah. So the brand started with the backing of a Japanese beauty sort of luminary that had built other brands over there and had contributed to several other major brands. But it was an effort to sort of centralize, localize something that would work in the American market, but would have Japanese sensibilities as well as Japanese products and style. And our challenge, it's always been sort of our, our challenge and our strength to find out how to take those things and sort of translate them into the American market while keeping them true to themselves and to their roots. The roots of Blackwood has been you know, a theme for us and it's something that we tend to try to use now as a strength because it really is. Our Blackwood is still a little sapling, it's still growing, but it has something that it's strongly rooted in, really in some ways, you know, thousands of years of tradition in Japan. And that that is in ingredients, but it's also in kind of the attachment and veneration of nature that it comes from, as well as respect for technology and technological advances. So that's the other thing that we've been trying to bring in that style is to bring that sort of synthesis of modern technology and natural strength and bring that along with that to the American market, along with staying true to that style that it originated as.
1: You're actually the creative director, but I know you wear a lot of hats Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the different points of view that you have and the different positions and, you know, where you play within Blackwood for Men. I know you do a lot of other things, so share with us what you do.
0: I've been interested in finding out what is it the other creative directors are doing because I do tend to kind of hand my hands in a lot of pods. You know, because of the nature of our brand, as sort of an indie brand, there's a lot of things that I'm sort of responsible for and can contribute to, fortunately, because I have sort of maybe a wider range, wide range of experience. It's funny, my wife sent me a tweet the other day. It was something about like, how do I get a phony job like creative director? <laughs> <laughs> and she cracked up and sent that to me. It's a real job, I swear, but that is sort of the nice thing about it is that I'm able to take my strengths and offer them to the team in a lot of different areas. So that can be anything from, you know, writing actual copy that we're sending out in an email or in a social post to, you know, the copy that's on the bottles, but then also to some of those discussions about, you know, what size is the copy on the bottle? Like what kind of icons and emblems are we using and sort of like, what does that mean? What are we trying to convey and what is likely to be understood? with what we're doing. We have a a really like beautiful sleek packaging right now that has a lot of like masculinity to it. It has a lot of executive, you know, clean style. What we've been trying to do is bring some natural elements into that. So into the packaging and into the messaging at the same time, but hold the balance. And so we'll have those discussions about, you know, how much color do we want to bring to this part of the bottle? Maybe if we make it foil, like a metal foil, instead of a different type of color. Like when you bring some metallic to it, it adds a sleekness, but it also adds like maybe a little bit of masculinity to it. I can enter some of those discussions from, let's say, like an artistic perspective, Another important sort of perspective I have is I'm somewhat in our target demo. So I'd also offer up my perspective as a guy and not a guy who's going through, say, like eight or nine steps in his beauty routine, but is willing to go through more than one step, you know, or zero steps and is not using like three in one body wash, conditioner, shampoo, four-in-one with face wash, five-in-one with something else, you know, (laughs) it's not, I'm not that guy, right? So the team finds it important for me to be able to give them perspective of a customer, but also lead some of those other discussions artistically and connect it back to some of those deeper things too, so that we stick to our roots at the same time. What else did you want to hear about what I do? I mean, I'm also creating ads. I'm also having discussions about strategy, about budget for sure, and what we're spending and where we're spending it product development and what's in the actual products, all of that stuff too.
1: Yeah, that's part of what we find so fascinating about your role is that it actually blends both sides from a traditional creative role into talking about the financial sides of things. And so you do cover a broad area.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure really how prevalent that is within the beauty industry on all levels and some of those levels that we've talked about that we are in the same space as in some way, we're in, let's say we're in the same arena or ring, you know, battling it out with the gloves on. I think there's a pretty wide range and there could be some real specificity to what some are doing and I'm sure from others, like depending on the brand, they're doing even more than me, you know, if they're just getting their start.
2: And that's what makes a sapling, as you called it earlier, but an indie brand really fascinating is that when you find really great talent, being able to leverage all the different faucets of it versus it being more pigeonholed to this is the job, this is the exact description, this is what we need you to come in and do. And, you know, we've all been there. So it can be tough to when you are like expected to get up and manage budget and then creatively come up with an Amazon ad, it gets tough for sure. But it is really interesting. And I think that It just shows, right, the versatility of having a great team allows you to wear a lot of different hats and try different things. But the more involved you are with the whole business, then the better the decisions become, the more cohesive. I think Blackwood has done a nice job. And what caught our eye was there is a cohesive nature to the strategy. So from the packaging and the way it looks and it's sleek but the other thing, and Denise and I were at your booth for a while talking about this, but even just the fact that it's a product for men, you put that on the actual label. So you are, you know, flagging the ground.
0: We're all in on that. Yes. <laughs>
2: You're all in. In
0: an increasingly, like unisex world, I believe that we've had discussions about that too and about removing the four men. But for right now, like, this is where we are. We're here. Let's do it.
2: That's really interesting. Do you mind diving into a little bit about that? Um, so there has been internal conversations about do you keep it? Do you not? And right now you have decided you'll stay.
0: Yeah, for now, we have decided that we'll stay, and I would definitely say that there is a time, let's say, when uh, Blackwood just becomes Blackwood, and there isn't four men on the bottom of it. And also, we do have a few areas of our brand and the way that from a packaging perspective, artistic perspective, but also, you know, the style of the product, what it smells like, that there's a little bit of a unisex feel to it. It's not overly like masculine. It's not all, you know, bourbon and heavy musk, right? (laughs) We are positioned where we could go to a unisex area and probably another thing that like positions us there is that, you know, we're coming from the Asian market. Real, our start probably like in earnest of like products hitting the market would be 2016. You know, there was a lot of research done before that, but in 2016, at that point, Asian market, sort of like unisex trend. And that's like fashion wise too, as well as beauty products was already taking hold in Asia. So I think that that sort of like was informing some of the core elements of the brand as well and the way that the products were formulated. So in that way, we're positioned well too. In 2016, there really still weren't that many men's exclusive products on the market. And so we just made a decision that it's going to be for now, it's going to be Blackwood for men. And that also there were a couple of other Blackwoods in some other areas. So we also wanted to distinguish ourselves that way as like, you know, brand kind of coming out of nowhere. It's really interesting to have those types of discussions. And that's probably also what we can do as a smaller company. We can turn some of these things over on some of our calls where you might not have time to do that except in some sort of like, you know, company wide, you know, meeting that happens once a year in a really large company. So
1: you do bring up a good point, though, about evolution and evolving a brand, even if it's still in its new state and it's still in its young state, but pivoting based upon consumer needs, wants, demands, and balancing that with the reality of all the things that it takes to make that pivot. You can't just wake up one day and decide, oh, let's just change the name of the company or let's just change the name of the product brand. While you have that flexibility because you are smaller, it has a ripple effect. And I think that it sounds like you're being sensitive to, this seems like a good idea, And on the surface, it looks like something that we could get behind, but we need to think about all the pieces that this will impact and do it strategically with the right lead time and so forth.
0: Right. Hopefully that's one of the strengths that I have as a person and my background and character or whatever, and my position as well, is that I should be able to have a perspective on like, when a decision is made from the smallest thing about what's happening on a bottle and how big the icon is, what that ripple effect will be. What it will mean, you know, from a cost perspective, from a customer experience perspective, from, you know, what's going to happen, what it's going to take to change things from the website to our ads, to what we're telling the retailers to all of our different retail sites and what's written on them, you know, and how we try to maybe tailor what's written on them to the site. There's always a lot to think about. You know, I'm always telling the team this is like, we have to be able to take what could be a weakness for us and turn it into a strength. And that's what we're able to do as a smaller company and maybe kind of keep some of that cohesion is because there's not that many of us, but those of us that are there can kind of make some decisions and keep that funnel tight, you know, in perspective of whether things happening and what's going to come out the other end, you know?
2: And having visibility to the whole thing, right? So that you have the full company picture versus just that little area that you may work in if you were much bigger or you had lots of divisions within the company type of thing. So I definitely appreciate that. It's interesting because if you do think about this, right now you guys have entered into a marketplace that it's very, very competitive. Men's lines and you know, there's legacy brands that have been out there for decades. The brand awareness is very high and yet you've chosen to come in and make a claim in there so by taking that away too you're also opening yourself up to even more competitors per se because now you'll go against even more brands that would live in that same space that you live in so it would be about having to find and carve a niche that you can really fit in and then really go head to head because when you came out with product in 2016 was that a d2c native strategy because now i know you are in retail was a D2C native and the switch to retail now, is that a focus? Are you still focusing on D2C? Where do you fall kind of in this distribution area?
0: So we have a little bit of an unorthodox sort of beginning to us where we had some network already built in, a distribution network, say like the physicality of the warehouse team that would be able to ship in bulk to retailers. So what we were able to do rather than you might be starting totally from scratch or trying to find that and rent out a warehouse and all these other things, right? So what's, with that in place, we obviously we understood the importance of D2C in this space, especially as an indie brand. But we were like going after retailers right away and trying to make that a possibility, even though it's a higher hill to climb in a shorter time. <laughs> it's kind of like, let's say it's cliff climbing. <laughs> it's free soloing in a way to try to get up to this level where you can get to decision makers with some of these retailers and get them to actually like listen to you at that early stage but we kind of made a decision that we're going to go for it and maybe we're going to find ways to like just get in front of them and then we believe in our product we believe in our message enough we believe in what's inside of it what's on the outside of it too that if we can just get some time with you we'll have a chance to maybe change your mind or think about bringing us in. And that's still like our ideal as retail, and maybe that's—I think that's probably maybe against trend a little bit. At least it had been, although maybe there's now that you know pandemic is over, people are going more towards towards retail again and in-store experiences. In that way, I think as an indie brand, let's say, like our focus on trying to get into retailers is different.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a interesting perspective from the standpoint of. So many brands that launched in that time period when you did really focused on D2C and didn't have their pricing models set up for distribution that way. And it sounds like you approached it differently, which now most likely pays off. I am curious about, we're sitting here now at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023. What do you feel the retail environment is like for you in particular and your brand versus what it has been for the past years since you've been in business.
0: It's an interesting place. I mean, we've had so much upheaval, obviously. And then, you know, we went from, you know, nobody's going out to stores. But then we also had uh, supply chain issues. So with overseas ties for us, obviously, was exacerbated in some areas. And now you've got people finally going back into the retailers. At the same time, you've probably heard a lot of talk about retailers having kind of a surplus of product right now. And they're trying to move that too. So that part of it is a little bit of a uphill battle now, like that's current. But I still think that overall, the picture is bright because the retailers that are still around are really starting to learn about how to make, how to survive themselves. You know, as the amount of retail space is being cut down across America, they're learning how to make things an experience and bring people in for that reason. And people still, I mean, they're still hungering to go in there to go into stores, despite all the gains that were made online over 2020, 2021. So I think that it's a great place to be. It's a great goal for us, you know, not only for efficiencies and things like that, but as a way to get in front of more people and then let them see what we're about and connect with the right retailers that enhance our brand.
2: What are some of the strategies that you have deployed for that retail space in order to get Blackwood for Men picked up off the shelf and knowing that you've got, you're sitting alongside competitors that have a huge brand awareness. What are some of the things that you're doing?
0: First of all, it's getting into, I would say like the right retailers where we can like have a little bit more control over our message and we have a shot at tailoring our message to sort of understand what their clientele is. I don't know if you know already, but we are in the new redesigned beauty space in JCPenney. So that new JCP Beauty, it's kind of helped to be curated by 13 Loan and to be sort of like hyper-inclusive. You know, We're like a Japanese brand that is in there, but we're one of the few male-focused brands. And so even like looking at that space, there's a couple shelves worth of competitors out there. So it's how do we stand out among them? Sometimes it's understanding who's going into JCPenney and how we want to talk to those types of customers even in that space right now it's still like heavily female and so in some ways we've been able to make actually a lot of inroads with female customers who are buying for a husband a boyfriend or son so one of our goals is to like let's make the product feel and look premium enough that it feels you know like a gift like an upgrade for those guys and when we're doing let's say a, a JCPenney-focused social post or a floating ad that's on Facebook, you know, we're looking to target women and relationships that are in the areas where we're in the certain JCPenney that we know we're at now and trying to track. you know, It's growing right now, but it's about 80 stores. The beauty of it is you can still focus on those areas. So there's that perspective, right? But there's also something about you know, thinking about what the product looks like, what does make it stand out on the shelf, and how do we like lean into that? Our most recent products that we brought out, they still have the same kind of classic packaging, the beveled edges, the sort of strong pump on the top, the clean, but otherwise angled lines. But we have also added a couple natural elements to it. I referred to the metallic foil before, but a couple of like, sort of like, you know, natural icons. that are just enough to get that balance of what we've been looking for the whole time. And what's actually always been a part of our brand, which is this sort of balance of natural and technology. Tech and tradition, sometimes we say. And so, like, what we've really been like leaning into this past year is like, how do we kind of say that in one word? How do we carve out that space that you're talking about that's ours, but still allows us to be in the ring with the big players? So, what we've been going after is something that we call natural class. That's just how we sum it up it's that combination of a natural background and natural strength that's in the actual products because they're very Asian botanical based. But then also the class element, which is what we feel like does make us stand out and always has in our packaging. It was just a matter of like, you know, how do you then go out and say it and just underline it, right? Because there's always been a lot of like, you know, lumberjack brands out there, right? There's a lot of like guy out in nature, you know, chopping up, throwing axes or whatever it is, right? Our space of natural also, but ready for a night on the town at the same time after you get done out there doing whatever your natural activity is, That's what I feel like is not, hasn't been taken, right? It's a little space that's carved out for ourselves. And it's really true to who we've been this whole time. That's why we're leaning into it. And we want to make it as sort of like, now it's a matter of let's make it a thing, natural class. Because sometimes we have these discussions too. It's like, oh, what is natural class? You know what? Let's talk about what it is. Let's find the things that show what it is. And I think that it's something that people will, Eventually, like, resonate with and understand because, you know, I think there's a segment of guys that are out there that want to be able to appreciate the natural aspect and power and cleanliness of those products, but still they're not lumberjacks and that's not their vibe. Right?
1: You did mention something that we've talked a little bit internally about is, you know, when you're marketing to different people whether it's in different parts of the world or whether it's men or women or whatever it may be taking that into consideration specifically with packaging, you know, how it feels in the hand, how it sprays and those types of different mechanisms. And you mentioned that you've spent a lot of time on packaging and curious how you factor in your user group and your demo And the packaging that you actually put out there, do you specialize and think about that when you're creating product specifically for men?
0: Yes, it's interesting. It was definitely, there was a certain element of it that was just sort of created from scratch and just from feel, right? Of like, you know, this is what we believe men will be into, And really, even the the name, it resonates with what we're trying to say. It is, in a way, it's a natural class, like black, the color of elegance, black tie fairs and wood, obviously, a strength and a natural strength and a natural element. It was always there, but it really came, even the the name came up in the dream of one of the founders when they were like, we know we want to create a brand, but what exactly do we we want to call it? So you have that genesis, right? There's no research that really came out of that, right? It was just right. And it almost in an artistic way. When something just sort of comes to you, right? But now it's a matter of, you know, how does that play? What are people thinking when they see that name? What does that name mean to them? And what does the packaging also mean to them? So we had to create it and do some research, obviously, ahead of time about what's out there in the market and how we're going to look comparatively. But then it was, you know, people started to purchase the products. And it, we had to, you know, let that Play out for a while and then do some research on, okay, who are these buyers? What do we know about them? In some cases, thanks to DSC, you can actually kind of ask them yourself what they think about things. And as an indie brand, you really can get like answers back. And that's always still a strength that we're trying to lean into is that sort of personal touch that we are like able to give at this point. So we've gotten feedback about what it is that people like about the products and what they don't. There's also, you know, in person experiences, say like a Cosmoprof, where you can in real time see people's reactions to the scent, to the feel, to the way that the packaging works, but also like what the, you know, what it feels like, what's coming out of it, you know, what it smells like. And you can even like eavesdrop too on what people are doing at that point, right? And hear uh, more unfiltered opinions about things. So there's all these, these factors that you try to keep an open ear to and open mind to and then incorporate when you can. And that is what we've heard from guys and almost semi-universally is that people really do, like they have a visceral positive reaction to the packaging. And also, I guess there is a functionality aspect to the packaging too, to those pumps. There was one other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about all the sort of maybe decisions and factors that would go into something like the packaging. And I was thinking about the pumps and sort of the function of them, how much you get out. It's kind of a big it's a large pump with a wide, say, like, you know, diameter. And you can get a lot out of like one to two pumps. And as a guy, so just the functionality of it, and there's a locking mechanism on it too, if you want to take it somewhere. But you know, you pop it up, you use it, you can get one pump out of it. And that could be enough a lot of times for the entire shower, say like with the body wash or with the face wash. And there's just like a, such a convenience. And I, what I've found is even the guys that we are sort of targeting as a Mastige brand, these guys that are sort of, taking their first steps towards, you know, this is the type of product that resonates with me and that's gonna define me and wasn't chosen for me by like, you know, my parents or somebody else, but these guys, they still care about convenience. It matters to them if they can be like, now I can get this done with one pump and I know that I'm like done, or two pumps and I know I'm done. So they love that part of it. And then they also love, like, I think that there's something still about, like, even this, this I don't know why I'm talking about the pump so much, but <laughs> it doesn't have a curve to it. There's a lot of things that can happen that would sort of make it, like, less masculine and less sleek. There's a lot of, you know, obviously pumps out there. You guys are in the, in the industry. You've seen them all. There's, like, something about the way that ours is set up that I feel, like, adds to the whole sort of experience as well. So we're trying to take all those things into account and hear what guys think about that and hear back from them and, and you know, lean into those things that we can tell have a strong positive reaction.
2: Yeah, I want to pivot into that a little bit more about we talked about retail and standing out and the packaging and the importance of that. But there's also digital, right? And the importance of standing out digitally and, you know, when you can't touch and feel and so forth. So I'm definitely really curious. We've spoken to other brands, especially on this show, where they say, look, it's it's really hard. On retail, you can do it a certain way. And then in digital, you should be a certain way. And they don't necessarily mix. And if you're in the middle, then you're generic or it doesn't really service either shelf, the digital shelf or the retail shelf. So I am curious, you know, as you think about digital and how you get Blackwood to stand out, and especially when you're up against those big, budgets, right? So they get to go out and put major money behind Amazon ads and PPC and programmatic. What are some of the ways that you are kind of attacking digital so that Blackwood has its own space?
0: Employing influencers with our digital. And what we found also in our research, which was somewhat early on and somewhat surprisingly, because we hadn't gone super hard at the sports and athletic angle of men, obviously knowing that men were interested in it. But what we found was there's a huge amount of our guys that were our core customers, are we were buying the products, had a huge interest in participation level in sports. So we've been like putting a lot of our effort into finding the right type of athletes to partner with, but also trying our best to create content around them that sort of fits with the brand. So if we have created like a sort of aesthetic, trying to get them to like understand what that aesthetic is and with their content, do something that you know resonates with what they've already been putting out, resonates with their followers but sort of like also amplifies that aesthetic and fits into it. Even just those little pieces, those help you stand out. I think when you create it in the right way, it stands out with those followers too, but it it also kind of creates a little space for yourself that nobody else has been in. And then attaching that sort of to the the one we talk about, the natural class, and we talk about the, all of that stuff ends up fitting in, right? So then it's also a matter of, Just being very sort of targeted and efficient in where you put your dollars, because we have very, you know, limited funds. When you have a piece of content that really, you know, fits a certain thing, uh, you know, we worked with a guy that's a really prominent wakeboarder. His name is John Drayling, his wakeboarder of the year. We made a cool video of him where he gets a bottle of Blackwood, immediately pops into a suit and sort of quick changes him into a suit, like sort of TikTok style. But then he like goes out and he's wakeboarding in the suit. It looks really cool. But, you know, obviously like finding then that audience out there that is interested in wakeboarding, but also interested in grooming products and our level of grooming product, right? And our price range, and, you know, our style and going hard at those things and making the most out of them is super important. The other thing is if we do is, let's say like an athlete activation and we're involved, like let's say we've sponsored a fighter or somebody like that, that has an event that they're in. The one that, like advantage we have is we can go out as a team. We can go to the YouTube page of where that event is streaming and we can join the conversation with people as a brand. We can answer, you know, as a brand, but as human beings, right? We've really found that that really does stand out. It's almost like people are almost surprised when they get an answer that doesn't seem like it's auto-generated by an algorithm, right? And it's like, no, no, we're a real, real person. We're actually, you know, we've been following this athlete, this fighter. We have like some knowledge about this sport and we're interested just like you are. I think that that's what really goes a long way. And that goes into what I was talking about, which is like, let's take what could be a weakness of us, our smallness, and turn it into a strength.
1: Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. The time has gone by really, really fast. I know that there's a lot more that we could talk about. We do really love this digital conversation, and that is originally how we came across Blackwood and really fell in love with the brand was visually the aesthetic of it. So you were heavily involved in that. So congratulations on all of your success so far.
0: Thank you. Congratulations to our team and all these people that have put so much blood, sweat, and tears into creating that aesthetic.
1: It's what it takes, right? It's what it takes. So we do have an audience that is highly engaged That does have questions or may want to know more about the brand or some of the things that you're doing. So how can they reach out to you if they'd like to get in touch with you?
0: Definitely first check us out on all social Blackwood for Men. It's the same thing everywhere, Blackwood for Men on TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, everywhere else. You can also go to our website where it's shopblackwoodformen.com. Personally, the easiest way to remember me would be just to email media at blackwoodformen.com. And I see all of those and for sure respond.
2: Thank you so much, Jeff. And to our listeners, if you want to keep buzzing with Denise and I, check out buzzbeauty.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: Thanks so much, guys.
1: This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com.
2: Thank you for listening.